This is the BC Outdoor Project podcast, a show dedicated to the education of exploring the backcountry, advocation for the preservation of wildland, and building the leaders in the outdoor industry. Because when we stand in the quiet of the backcountry, we're reminded of what we truly are, human. Today's show is brought to you by Vahalapur Outfitters Vernon, a locally owned and operated outdoor gear shop that carries all of my favorite brands. Um, They've got everything you're going to need for your kit, and they're super knowledgeable staff. So definitely stop in if you're in the Okanagan, or you can head over to vpo.ca to look at the full inventory from all the stores in Canada. Also brought to you by Spear Strength Wellness, an online nutrition and strength coaching platform. We've developed the Backcountry Grit Program geared to helping you improve your performance and capacity to adventure further in the backcountry. Check us out on Instagram at Spear Strength Wellness. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today we have me, Sam. Uh, Austin and Kimberlyn on today we're going to talk a little bit about the science behind why you should spend time outside what benefits it has for you both um, from a mental well-being standpoint but also from a physiologic standpoint so we'll kind of kick it off with uh, what inspired this I just finished a book that I recommend to a certain type of person Um, it was it's called The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter and it's basically it follows along his story of his first hunt in the arctic for caribou and he talks a lot about being uncomfortable and the benefits of being uncomfortable and how we live in a a state that's pretty cozy like our temperature is regulated our air is regulated our um darkness like we have we have a lot of control of our environment, which is not always the best for us. And we'll talk a little bit why, a little bit more about why that is. But overall, it was a pretty good book. It's kind of a chapter, every chapter is a little kind of spark notes of not a health trend, but I would say something that people are talking about in health, like rucking, for example, um, cold plunging or eating um, different diet styles and things like that Um, he talks a little bit about intermittent intermittent fasting in there um overall pretty good book good story but not super super deep so i recommend it to someone who's not super interested in the science or just like tell me what this is going to do for me i'm curious i'm going to start this off with a question for both of you what is probably the main thing that you get from spending time outside So for me, when I'm out in nature, I give zero fucks about what I look like. I don't think about my weight a single time, except maybe when I'm hauling my ass up a steeper mountain and I'm like, man, this would be a little easier if I was lighter. But other than that, it just does not occur to me. I don't look at a mirror. I don't look at my phone to see what I look like because it legit doesn't occur to me half the time I forget that my phone is there I leave it somewhere unless I think oh I need to get a picture and then I'm always mad that I never take enough pictures because I just don't care about having my phone and I'm not actively doing that on purpose it just doesn't occur to me it's gone 
And I love that. And I've started to realize that it becomes a lot more about my ability to survive, my ability to thrive, the time that I'm having with the people that I'm with, observing the other things around me instead of observing myself all the time and what I could be doing differently, wearing differently, looking like. None of it matters out there. There's no reference point for you. You're not looking at yourself. You're not comparing to other people. It's it's just you and whoever's with you. And usually the people that you're with don't actually care about those things. They wouldn't have you in your life, uh, in their life. And so it always is crazy to me how freeing that is that it's so ingrained the second we get into certain social settings or go through our daily routine of get up and take a shower and look in the mirror or try on clothes or any of that stuff. But yet you go out in nature and it doesn't even cross my mind. And yet I can't get it to not cross my mind in all of those other settings. And so for me, a big one is just the the freedom to meet myself where I'm at and just partake in whatever I'm partaking in. Can I perform? Can I carry the weight I need to carry? Can I stay warm? Can I bring the right gear that I need to wear? Who cares what it looks like if it fits the specs I need? That's what occurs to me. And I love that. And I'm trying to do that more in my day-to-day life. And it's been pretty awesome um, to constantly remind myself and reference back to feelings that I had in my gut, in my soul while I was out in nature and bring those into my day-to-day. When I find myself caught up in those other moments, I breathe and I frequently reference whatever my most recent example of not giving any fucks about such superficial bullshit that doesn't really matter. For me, I mean, whether if I am hunting, camping, or even, you know, working outside. So, like, whether if that's, like, repairing fences, gardening, plowing, working, like, helping my family work cattle, whatever, being outside is, it's a reconnection to, to my roots, Right. And that's, I think that's ultimately why, like, I love hunting so much, why I do like manual labor outside, because that's what I grew up doing. And my dad did that before, you know, before I was in the picture, before kids. And his dad did it. And then his dad did it. Right. So it's like being outside is this tradition. And, having that reconnection to the sun, to the heat, to sweat, right? Through calluses on your hands, through like just bleeding outside, right? If you cut yourself on a branch or on a barbed wire or whatever, it's again like that reconnection to what you used to do and a disconnection of the screen, right? Because our, like, I feel like our, I mean, I feel, but our society is, right? It's just a matter of fact. Our society is centered around themselves and around the screen and what we portray on that screen. But being disconnected from it and being outside, you step outside of self and then you are able to reconnect with the others around you, including nature, right? It's a reconnection to nature. It's a reconnection to tradition. It's a reconnection to family. So yeah, that's, that's why I love being outside. That's what I get from outside. I think actually you both 
do a really good job of kind of pre-gaming here because these are the personal emotional benefits and those personal personal emotional benefits can be explained by science and psychology right so we'll kind of break that down because i think it's more important the actual human benefits that that you guys are experiencing um rather than just like the nitty-gritty which i will try not to bore everyone with but i did a pubmed dive and i had went deep (laughs) (laughs) i want to know real quick before we get going sam what do you get from being outside you don't get off the hook here. Um, mine, mine are probably more basic. I think you both hit the nail on the head a little bit for me because I think Kim, you said you step out of outside of yourself. That's really, really key for me from a mental standpoint. You're looking around. Um, my brain slows down. The thing for me that I also notice is I uh, sleep better. I spend some time outside every day. Um, that has a huge effect on my sleep. And then I'm also more creative, which can be explained by boredom. So there's a fair amount of research going into people being bored, which is awesome. I would love to be the person who studies people being bored and like causes people to be bored. <laughs> so some a couple things that we we do in the outdoors is we we just go. We just walk for a long time or hunters, you sit for a long time. You wait for a long time. And those are some of the only times that the human brain really in the world that we kind of live in, if you don't have your phone with you, that's about the only time we're really, truly bored. Most of us, we're waiting in line at the post office. You're going to pick up your phone and scroll your phone, right? You're not just going to stand there and wait for the three older ladies in front of you to decide how they're going to pay for their stamp, right? You're going to find a way to entertain your brain. And a lot of us have that right in our pocket. So when you separate yourself from that, you spend more time in your own mind and you're solving bigger problems. When people are bored for prolonged periods of time, they are able to sit and parse out bigger problems in their life. How can I be a better partner? How can I achieve this goal that I want to? Do I want to write a book? You know, there's these questions that you have time for with these prolonged bits of boredom. And I think that that could easily be explained by stimulation, right? You not only have stimulation of sound, light, and thing, and other people, but you have tasks, we have goals, we have problems, we have all of these things that are kind of coming at us constantly. But when you go out into a space where those are limited, um, you're going to see big changes in your brain. And those big changes can actually be seen with brain waves, right? So There's a couple studies where people spent four days out in nature and they had increased alpha waves from their brain. You experience them the most when you're physically and mentally relaxed, right? So typically we see a lot of really, really high activity from the um, beta waves and um, gamma. So you're just going to be overstimulated a ton. So when you go out in nature, your brain changes the way that it's actually processing information. Super, super cool. You're also going to see changes in the structure of your brain. So I I couldn't find this article, but I remember hearing about it a couple times. There's there's research saying where they took people, they let them spend time outside for X number of weeks. They actually saw physical changes to the gray matter structure of their brains. That was comparable to people who meditated. So 
people who meditate typically end up with wrinklier brains. They have just a different anatomy. We call it wrinkly. The people who spent time outside had similar changes, right? So you're just slowing down the processing. You're slowing down the panic. You're also changing the overall neurophysiology of the brain as well. There's a structure in the brain called the amygdala. I know we all learned about it, but the amygdala is this cute little thing that hides in the middle of your brain and looks like an almond. And it's really, really active during your emotional responses. And this little guy works really, really hard for some of us every single day. Too hard. There's a couple studies that have come out that said you spend 10 to 15 minutes outside the activity of your amygdala goes down significantly. Now, this could be because you're not being as stimulated, but there's some ideas that when you're walking in an urban setting or if you're in an urban setting, more often you're processing people's facial patterns or other people's behavior. When you reduce your exposure to the number of people, you're not processing that information. You're not looking at that person and saying, is that person a threat? That person makes me feel this way. This person makes me feel unsafe or this person's fine. I'm going to walk over here. You know, there's, you're not dealing with that same fear or constant, constant processing. Now, I don't know if those people would feel the same if they were hiking in Alaska, because when, (laughs) when you're going down a, a very thick trail, Everything looks like a bear. And my poor little amygdala is just like revved, like just revved the whole time. (laughs) So I don't know if that carries over quite the same as like walking in Central Park or walking in a green space, say up at a ski hill. But I think it's interesting how in talking about processing people, we're talking about threat response. And isn't it crazy that our like huge desire to connect is also completely overloaded and over bombarded because we're still all considered predators. Like we are, we're one of the biggest threats to each other compared to other animals. I mean, arguably bears are pretty crazy, but the population's low, but it's just interesting that some of the best things and things we crave, like connection can also be some of the things that are doing us the most harm when we don't give ourselves breaks from that. And the fact that we're seeing so many people as a threat. And now we hear about more and more people becoming more introverted, especially after the pandemic and viewing other people as a threat or wanting to like avoid eye contact or not deal with people is becoming a much more commonplace thing versus when people talk about, like Kim said, like our roots of like small country town or everybody knows everyone and you only see a few people here and there, but you all know each other. And there's this warmth and this connection because it was only a few people. And now there's so many people we want to avoid eye contact as often as possible. We were really, I mean, we were really only designed to interact with 150 to 200 people in a community setting. Our community settings are enormous now. So you're also your meter has to be revved way more now than it ever did before for processing who people are walking down the street driving all of those things you're constantly worried about that so quality over quantity yes yeah 
2021 systematic review meta-analysis where they looked at nature-based interventions and they were trying to determine what was the best one, how long you needed to do it for, and what the actual physical or mental benefits were from it. The good news is you can kind of do anything. Um, They looked at everything from gardening to walking to just uh, riding your bike, running, things like that. Um, All of these people who spent 10, anywhere from 10 to 50 minutes um, per day had improved mood, focus, and then they also had some improvements in their heart rate and blood pressure. Now, the improvements in heart rate and blood pressure weren't statistically significant um, in this analysis. However, I think it goes without saying that more research would need to be done to actually look directly at some of these biomarkers. We do see reduced cortisol. Um, We do see increased serotonin levels in people, but in this study, it wasn't very obvious, but there's a lot of them. Like, I think I emailed you guys a list of like 13 different studies that have come out and all of them say the same thing. You have to spend time outside And you will see benefits in anything from depression, anxiety, stress, uh, PTSD, um, grief, um, all of these things, because we're actually outdoor animals. We're not house cats. A lot of us have become house cats. I myself am sometimes a house cat. I like to sit inside and read right here by my little window, but... (laughs) It's better for me to go sit outside with my bare feet on the ground in whatever conditions they are. The point of this podcast is really just to encourage you to spend time outside, but also know if you're if you're probably listening to this podcast, you're doing that, but to also know that you are getting some physiologic benefits from doing that. Yeah, there was a since you brought up kind of like grief, PTSD, trauma and stuff, there was a book that I read um uh, called the three day effect. Um, it's by Florence Williams and it basically is another example of studying like what a minimum of three days can do in regards to like the science behind being healthier, being more creative. And they do uh, a group of researchers does this with some former Iraqi war veterans, um, sex trafficking survivors, um, and some just like people that just hate nature, just don't like it thinking like, you know, if you're already not into nature, it might actually cause more stress versus have that, that same effect if you're not open to it. Um, and it's really cool because it goes through kind of their account of how they're doing as well, not just from the scientist's perspective, And it talks about that. It talks about the progression that happens. And you think that it would have to be over this course of weeks or whatever, but it's just three full days being outside. Um, And so that's another not overly science-y book option if people are interested in reading other than the one that you had mentioned, The Comfort Crisis. Um, So I'll put both of those listed on the podcast details if people want to check those out. There is a guy that was like really well known for a bunch of his like grandiose adventures and mountaineering and cycling and all this stuff and treks. And then he became like the king of micro adventures where he'd literally just go down the street to a park in his hometown and sleep outside one night because he just wanted to do something that was an adventure outside. It does not have to be 
hard fought, grandiose adventures with a lot of money and a lot of planning. It can just be like, go garden, like Kim said, go sit outside, go pet your dogs outside in the grass instead of sitting on your carpet with the TV on. So one of the things that uh, I tell all of my of my one-on-one clients, my nutrition clients, like I tell everybody, just get up and go for a walk, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And that's not only for like weight loss, right? But also just diving into circadian rhythm. So, I mean, Sam, you had mentioned sleep disorders. Well, we get a lot of vitamin D, right? Through sun and I'm going to get sciency. Then that goes into like producing serotonin, right? That feel good hormone, the feeling of energized. But serotonin, I believe, is also a precursor to melatonin, if I'm if I am correct. And then, I mean, the melato- melatonin, we produce that naturally. That helps us go to sleep. So having our circadian rhythm, right? So getting out and walking first, like in the morning, getting some sunlight. Hey, guess what? You're producing serotonin. You're waking up. You're, you know, getting ready because of that rhythm that our body is in. So, I mean, producing those feel-good hormones. You're feeling feeling sluggish at two o'clock, three o'clock. Hey, instead of going for that extra like fourth cup of coffee, go out, go for a walk. And that'll help give you a natural boost because of biology. Right. And then with that extra serotonin, you now have improved ability to produce melatonin. So you're going to sleep better. Makes sense. Science is cool. Yeah, I think that Mark and I both see patients. And one of the hardest things to get some people to do is go for a walk. But I think it's because we don't do a good job of explaining the benefits of the walk. And it's so much more than weight loss. It's so much more than just overall feeling of over well-being. Like, you're doing it for a ton of reasons. Like, for example, today, I spent a gazillion hours on my computer editing photos and content. And then I got up partway through the day. And I took my dog to the compost bin, like a mile away. I hauled our compost bin all the way there to find that the gate was locked and it's not actually open on Wednesdays. And I hauled it all the way back. So not only did I go for a walk outside, but I also did a carry, I would like to point out, in preparation for this podcast tonight. But I love it. It it doesn't have to be cute. It doesn't have to be fancy. Um, Just do it. Yeah. I think another thing too is it doesn't have to be in like blazing sun to be getting benefits of vitamin D and being outside. A lot of people are fair weather walkers. I get it. My dog doesn't even like to go out when it's damp on the ground because of her precious paws. But I guess what? She learned that from my habits of not having to go out to uncovered places, but there are huge benefits to like even just going out when it's drizzly or wet. Um, my mom, um, just as a testament to walking, I'm going to throw this in here. My mom had a, uh, medical procedure she had to get done where she got, uh, cyst removed very large, um, like six plus years ago. And when she had that, 
she realized that was the reason why she wasn't feeling like she wanted to be active because it was just, she felt like trash, but she would try to start walking again because she felt better when she walked is the only time she felt better. And then that also made her realize like, Hey, maybe I need to do something about this. Maybe something's wrong. So she went and got it checked out. They took it out. Now she kept walking. It was the one thing that she like really kept doing. She always, every day, I don't remember if she's even had a day in the last several years of not getting a minimum of 10,000 steps. Like she'll walk around the island um, that they they live on. She'll walk around her kitchen if she needs to. Um, but every day she like has her new raincoat. She gets her like waterproof shoes for the time of year that it rains because we're in the Pacific Northwest, then she has her regular shoes for when it doesn't rain. She now has walking buddies she's met at the age of 66 years old because she gets out there and does something. And she is probably the fittest and healthiest she's ever been at 66 because she walks. That's the only thing she changed. She'd already fixed her food and stuff when she was doing with the health issues. She didn't know what it was. All that, the thing that made the biggest difference for so many reasons was walking. And it's made me do better about, hey, I need to get up and go walk or do things and support her with it has made me think about the fact that I'm younger than her and doing less than her. That's awesome. I think I think we can all learn something from that too. I think. Keep walking. Your, yeah. your longevity depends on it. Um. I'll go, I'll probably finish here to say that getting outside and also choosing to do really hard things, things that challenge you, things that are a 50-50, I'm going to be able to do this or I'm not, are also just as important for your psychology, right? Like these hunts that you're doing, Kim, Austin, the, the mountaineering trip you did, some of the runs I choose to do, like... When you <laughs> put yourself in a position where you have to be both physically and mentally tough in the outdoors, that is excellent for your overall well-being. Agreed. So, and we can talk more about that on another time, but that's way different than just going for a walk. Yeah. Multiple benefits. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that could be talked about at least. Yeah, we should do a podcast on that because I think that's the next thing that, uh, that I think all of us could talk a little bit about. Type 2. Type 2 fun. Yeah. Type 2 fun. Well, let's go. Cool. All right, everybody. Unless you guys have anything else. Keep right. walking. We'll get your ass outside. Yeah. Go outside.